the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. Get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And good evening. No, I am not Soapy Dollar. I don't even do a good Soapy Dollar impression. I am John Harrison, and I'm sitting here with our good friend Jacob. And I want to say Merry Christmas to the Dollar family and to everyone listening this evening. It's uh, just a few hours away from from actual Christmas Day, the day that we celebrate uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to say, if I didn't say it last time I saw you, happy belated uh, uh, Hanukkah. Oh, you know what, John? Yes. I can't hear a word you're saying on the earphones. You can't hear a word I'm saying on the earphones. You should be able to. I know, John, but I cannot hear a word you're saying. Okay. Is that better? Uh, No, John, it's not. I'm not hearing you at all. Okay, well. Uh, Am I on the air? You 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 sure are. Say something, John. Hello, hello. Very faint. At any rate, I can't, uh, I apologize, everybody, I can't hear very well. I don't know why, but I can't. How about that? That's better, I hear you now. Okay, thanks, okay. John. At any rate, so, yeah, Soapy's not here, and uh, Soapy was planning on being here, but he decided to stay home on Christmas Eve with his family, and I am glad he did, because that's where he should be with his, with his family. And, uh, and I would like to say that probably being Christmas Eve, uh, we're probably not going to have a great number of listeners, which I anticipate to be not more than maybe 10. Uh, but 
Or maybe a few more. Yeah, maybe Harold and Joe. Well, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but my two of our beloved regulars, I yeah, must add. Sure, and I'm glad they're regular. All right, but and I'm your uh, temporary permanent co-host, Jacob, and we're going to do. Strangely. And we're blessed to have him too. Yeah, and what we're going to do is uh, is the Book of Matthew tonight. That's what was on the schedule, and so we talked and I talked about it, and we're going to do Matthew, and it's some things I'd like to really share. And uh, while I probably uh, differ on some of my views, that's okay, because the important thing is is in the Book of Matthew, it's truly in Christmas Eve the story of the birth of the, what the Christians call the Messiah, Jesus. And I think that needs to be honored and respected. And I suspect that there's not a lot of people that actually uh, are going to be listening tonight, as I say. But probably there's going to be a lot of people that are either single listeners or they don't have somebody to be with tonight or they're lonely. And maybe there are some that's with their families. That's certainly possible. But, you know, some of us just don't have anywhere to be with anybody tonight. So... Yeah, if there are anybody like that, may I encourage you to feel free to call in and discuss the book of Matthew. Do you know that number? I do. It is 210-340-9585. Again, 210-340-9585. And I'd like to start off by saying, I just got back, and as John said, I go. I went out of state to visit my family on Hanukkah, and I just got back. And Hanukkah ended, what, Tuesday, was it? Uh, Wednesday had been the last full day. Full day, okay. Because I remember you saying something about it being the sixth day of Hanukkah when you called in. You remember that? On Sunday, I believe, is what you said. Okay. Did you write this down, have it laminated for your wallet or something? No, no, no. Oh. No, not, ex- not exactly. You know, I don't have it uh, notarized or whatever. <laughs> okay. Well, at any rate, you don't have to have it notarized. I recognize you. Anyway, but uh, but I would like to say something. You know, there's important relevance to the story, not based solely upon the belief in the Christian world of Jesus. I will tell you, there's a radio show uh, that I, when I'm over in Arizona, where I was at, and visiting my family, that I tend to listen to a lot, and it's a, it's a show called The Narrow Path. And I actually spoke to the gentleman on the air that runs that show, and I told him that I had actually acquired or adapted one of his little sayings and uh, and I did and it was uh, and he always invites people that disagree with him to please call in and while that's a common thread of people to have disagreements on many talk shows I certainly uh, would encourage that too and I told him I kind of borrowed that from him because I thought that's a fair thing to do at any rate so yeah okay before, uh, I'll tell you, John, you say we have a caller already? Yes. Who is it? Renee. Renee. I'll tell you what. Let's, uh, let me say one thing, then we'll take Renee. How's that? Uh, okay. I would like to say that there's a relevance in the belief, especially in the Christian world, uh, and this is one of the things I actually talked about with a gentleman on his radio show in California a few days ago. And I said, well, because he had a couple of people debating what was the actual birth date of Jesus. And he said, and I agree with him, that the relevance is not so much today, though that is important. It is also the fact that it occurred is probably more important, in fact, paramount. And I said that. And I said, uh, um, 
I think that, and I said that, and he made the comment, he says, well, it's important if it matters. And that statement stuck with me, and I began to think about it. And I thought, you know, it does matter, even to a non-Christian, because we do live in a Christian world. And, Renee, uh, if you could call back, he just told me we lost you, and I was just about to bring you on. So, Renee, if you're out there, please call back. I apologize if I took a little too long. And if you call right back, we'll get you right on. I'm sorry, I was just going to get you. I don't know if we disconnected you or we just lost you. But please call. Anyway, what I was going to say is, let me tell a little story that happened when I was over there. And this is not to pat myself on the back. Normally, I don't tell these stories. But when I was over there, talk about how the effect of Christianity even works in the modern world today. Is that I, uh, I saw at this hotel... I saw this this truck be towed away, and there was two men, two women, and among them they had, I don't know, four or five little children. And uh, and anyway, so, and they were in the bushes outside this hotel just staying out there, and their truck had been towed away. I actually saw the tow truck in the police car, and I thought, well, you know, that's, that's sad, especially this close to Christmas, etc. Anyway, so... The next day I drove past her because I had to go past her to get to my family's house a lot. At any rate, um, then they were still there the next day. And they, they had like maybe ten little suitcases. And uh, and let's see if uh, if that's Renee, John. Any rate, so is, is that Renee? Okay, put Renee on. Let's talk to her. Renee, can you hear me? Renee? Hello, Renee, can you hear me? Nothing, John. Well, Renee, I don't know. Please don't hang up. I don't know what's going on, but I'm sure the Master John will fix it. Uh, You're fixing it, Master John? Hello, Renee, are you there? Yeah, me. Oh, I hear you now. I told you, John. You know, Jacob, um, when I first started, I, I used to start with Les Frederick, and he said, when you read your Bible, you have to know the time and the when and the where. And, um, Jacob, I didn't get that until I, I started listening to you and Sophie Dollar. And then you taught me, Jacob, the Jewish people that are most important, I give to them first, and you're supposed to, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Well, my my charities, I give I give to um, Michael Evans. Do you know Michael Evans? I know the name. I don't know him. Yes. I am, but I mean, you know who he is. I I've heard the name. Yes, I I think I. He's pastor. He's pastor Michael Evans, and then when you give money, then he gives it right to the Jewish people, so then they'll know. You know what shocked me, Jacob? You know what really shocked me? Um, the Jewish people they don't believe in Jesus. And I don't understand it. And I don't understand why. You know, they're the first chosen. Then how come they don't understand? How come they can't believe? Are you talking... Hey, that's a a great question you're asking. So uh, let me see if I understand your question. You know, um, Jacob, when I I was listening, and I was listening to Les Frederick, and I was listening to you and everything, and then I I said, I pray every night, and I said, Father, I'm so sorry they don't believe in your son. I'm so sorry they don't believe in your son. You know, Jacob, that shocked me. 
That really shocked me. How can they not? How can the Jewish people not believe in Jesus? How can they not? Man, they're the number one. Well, that's a that's a fair question, and that question has been asked uh, for a long time. It hurts my heart. It hurts and breaks my heart. So I get on my knees and I pray. I say, Father, um, let there be more Jewish people that believe in your son today. Uh-huh. When I pray, Jacob, when I pray, I pray that. Well, listen, let me ask you a question. And you know, you know, um, Jacob, I'm the, I'm the least deserving. I'm the most insignificant, and I'm a gentle. And Jesus, he loves me, and he went to the cross for me. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm the least deserving. I'm the most insignificant, and I'm a detail, and he loves me. How can his people not believe in him? Well, uh, let me ask you, if I could give you a satisfactory resolution straight from the Bible, would you be acceptable to listening to that? Yeah. Okay. I'm just upset. Well, it's okay. You don't have to be upset. That's very kind. It's very compassionate. And I appreciate your, your compassion. I truly do. But, um, Jacob, I want, um, you're, you're a rabbi, and you go to a church and you preach and stuff. You know, Jacob, that's the most important job you can have to work for Jesus. That's the most important job you can have. Uh-huh. And these men in my life, they say to me, oh, Nate, can you date me? Look at Jacob. I had one husband. He, he he started Southwest Airlines Magazine, offered George Mugabeville. He died of a heart attack. I had one fiancé oh. um, from Denmark. He died in my arms. Mm-hmm. Jacob, I tell him, you can't, I'm married to Jesus. You can't date me. I'll, I'll kill you. <laughs> Uh, I understand. <laughs> these, I, men, these men say, oh, Renee, you're so skinny and you're so pretty. Yes. And I don't want to be skinny and I don't want to be pretty. I want, I want the light of Jesus to shine through me. Well, you know let, what me I'm let me share a thought with you. Are you pretty familiar with the book of Matthew then, uh, Renee? Yeah, I love Matthew. Okay, great. Let's take a look at what Matthew says. I'm going to suggest something to you that perhaps you haven't considered before. Like, uh, first of all, in Matthew, you're familiar with, I think it's chapter, is it 25, where Jesus talks about he separates the sheep and the goats, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, they just depart from me. I, I know you're not. Depart from me. I know you're not. Because you know why, Jacob? Why? The Father, my God, my Father, he says, you cannot sin because I gave you my son. I gave you my son that didn't sin, so then you can't sin in your life. Mm-hmm. How come people don't get it? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you familiar with the line it says in Matthew? about uh, until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. I'm going to offer you an explanation I think that might be helpful to you. Are you ready? Until the time the Gentiles come. No, no, until the time of the Gentiles, Jesus says, is fulfilled. And then in Romans it says that the same sentence. Yeah, you know, Jacob, when, wait, when wait, Jesus wait, wait, says, Renee, hey, no, Re- no, Renee, no, Renee. I want you to listen to me. And when Jesus says, until the time of the Gentiles come, so then um, what does that mean? Okay, so then, thanks. That's what I'd like to, let me, let me offer a suggestion to you. Uh, right now, I, many times I'll say to people, well, who is it that you really don't want, from the Christian perspective, that you don't want to get into heaven? Australians, Koreans, uh, oh, maybe no, people from Florida. No, who is it? No, no, no. Sure, you want everybody saved, don't you? Yeah, okay. I do. So listen, 
then the times of the Gentiles have not been fulfilled. So let's accept 100% that what uh, the New Testament is saying is correct. If we, for our conversational purposes, we'll say it's correct. But it gives us Scripture and time. It says, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Well, the time of the Gentiles is not fulfilled. So let's say that what Jesus was saying is correct and what it says in Romans is correct. If that's the case. I love the book of Romans. Okay, I'm glad you do. But listen, listen to what I'm saying. Because it will give you an answer to your very first question, I think. It's this. Let's say that the Jews were told by God, hold up, and even by I Jesus. Paul, 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 Listen, Paul, wait, wait. I want to, I, do you want... I'm familiar. Yes, I'm familiar with that, and Paul also wrote the book of Romans, didn't he? Uh, yeah, so listen, listen Renee, this is going to go, I want to, Renee, this is going to go a lot easier if you let me have a say. Okay. Uh, all right, so, look, I'm saying is, they both give a standard, Paul and Jesus, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. I'm going to suggest this, that if the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled, and you, I believe you, that you would like everybody saved. Everybody in the whole wide world, whether from New Zealand, Russia, Poland, Australia, wherever. Uh, but if, there, if the proper amount of the Gentiles have not come in, shall we, and I'm using your terms, then the times of the Gentiles have not been fulfilled. So if the times of the Gentiles get cuts off, gets cut off early... Then, by the let's say that that's what's supposed to happen, then the Jews do come in. The time of the Gentiles has been fulfilled. And if everybody hasn't had an opportunity to get in, then they get cut off. So my suggestion is Wait, 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 wait. That's not that wasn't that wasn't a that was that wasn't a period, that was a comma. So that was my uh, that my uh, my suggestion is let's let God handle it. Because if that is correct, if it's God's plans for the Jews to come in, then let's use exactly what Jesus said. Let's say, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And then, then he's saying that the Jews will come in. If that's correct, let's follow what he said, and indeed what Paul said. So yeah, while but, I'm, um, very, I'm very sympathetic and I'm very compassionate to, you, to your position. But then, um, Jacob, I don't understand but the Jewish, they die today. Do they still get to go to heaven? Jesus, if they die today and they don't believe in Jesus, they still get to go uh, to heaven. Let me explain something. Yes, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to answer that this way. Yes, the Jews do believe they go to heaven, and I believe that number one, it's up to God. I don't believe me, you, or anybody else can make those kind of decisions. That's up to God. I love my father so much. He raised me. Jacob, my father, God, he raised me. He said, this child, I'm not leaving this child alone. I'm not leaving this child alone. Okay. I'm, 56, I'm 56 years old, Jacob. I have no children. I have a house to pay for. But my God, he did it through the blood of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me ask you this. What I just gave you... And that reasoning, that understanding, uh, 
Does that help you in any way to your original question, which may suggest... No, because I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. What did you do? I know, but, but Renee, if you keep talking, everybody, if you keep talking, I never get a chance to talk, and so you can't ever know what I think. Okay, then you, think, you tell me what you think. All right, I'm trying to. Jesus himself said, until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Well, let's give Jesus and God some time to carry out his plan instead of us artificially cutting it off saying, let's just bring all the Jews in now, because if the Jews come in now, if what you understand is correct, and if they do come in, then the time of the Gentiles is over. And what happens if all the Gentiles have not had an opportunity? So I think we need to pay, be patient let Jesus do exactly what he said, as you understand it. And therefore, God will know and what to do because like Jesus... Some, hey, like look, Renee, 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 are you going to let me finish, Renee? Okay, now listen, here's my point, is if that's what it was said, then let's give the, Jesus a chance to do what he was saying. He's suggesting that the Jews will come in after the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So I'm going to suggest... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Renee, I don't want to be rude to you. It's Christmas Eve. So please, please be polite to me. Renee, I want you to be polite to me. Will you be polite to me for a second? Please let me go. All I'm saying is, let's give, let's give those scriptures a chance. Let them work their time. And if indeed they are correct that the Jews are supposed to come in, let's do that when God or Jesus has determined that the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Otherwise, we're not doing what God, or Jesus, was saying. He's saying, do not come in until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So if that's God's commandment, and Jesus, if that's what Jesus is also saying, and Paul said in Romans, then to do otherwise would be actually to disobey God. And can't say that. And then take up that for Psalms 46 10 comes in. Be still the Lord that I'm God. Be still the Lord that I'm God. I will act when I want to act. That's what God says. I'll act when I want to act. Um, Jacob, I want them all to be safe today. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you. I'm, I'm, glad I'm you're a comfortable. person, Jacob. I'm, I'm a person of the minute, the microwave. <laughs> uh-huh. well, I'm glad you're comfortable and I'm glad you're saved. And I'm glad and, you that know, you feel safe. I met, I met a Jewish uh, lady in Walmart, and I said, um, "Jesus, He loves you." He says, "He, he doesn't love me." I said, "You're Jewish." Yeah, I'm Jewish. Jesus doesn't love me. I don't get that part, Jacob. I don't get that part. I said, no, Jesus, he loves you. He died in Christ for you. And she goes, I don't believe in Jesus. I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus. Okay, I'll tell you what, Renee, I apologize. We only got one minute left. So before we go, I just want you to think about the scriptures I said, uh, because we're going to go to a break, so I'll have to let you go. But please be kind enough to look at those scriptures and think about what he's saying until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. You know what? If you keep talking while I'm talking, you can't hear what I'm saying. All right. Have a good evening, Renee. Are we on break, John?
Okay. At any rate, so when we come back, I want to actually explore some things in the book of Matthew. There's some fascinating things, and I want to finish my story about these two families that were evicted from this hotel when I was in Arizona. Uh, And I'll see how far I can get in just a moment. Actually, what happened is is that I saw this family one day, and it was cold. I drove past the next day, and they're in the bushes outside, and there's two men, two women, and four or five kids, little kids. And then I went by the next day. Well, I'll finish that story when we come back from the break. Can you give the phone number so other people can call in? 210-340-9585. Again, 210-340-9585. Thank you. We'd love to hear from you this wonderful Christmas Eve. We hope you're having a blessed night. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll be right back on the Bible Live Quiz Show right here on KSLR. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Have you seen a family divided over property after losing a loved one? Have you known someone who spent months or years fighting in court to receive the property that was left to them? Unfortunately, I often see families fighting in probate court. Wouldn't you like to avoid this situation? I'm Charlie Weisinger, board-certified estate planning attorney with Weisinger Law Firm. At Weisinger Law Firm, we can help you put a plan in place that avoids probate so your loved ones never have to set foot in a cold courtroom. Many times that plan includes a living trust. Let my team help you achieve peace through planning to ensure your family won't be stuck fighting it out in court. Just call 210-308-0800 and we'll help you get a plan in place. We're located just north of San Antonio in Selma, Texas. So call me, Charlie Weisinger, at 210-308-0800. That's 210-308-0800 or weisingerlawfirm.com. Weisinger Law Firm, peace through Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. Songstress Halsey's latest hit, Bad at Love, features a woman who just can't seem to get the hang of love, no matter how many times she tries. But what is love, according to Halsey? Well, her song says it's a mashup of broken relationships with both men and women. Some are alcoholics, some are drug addicts, some are misogynists, and some are verbally abusive. Always make the same mistakes, Christ. The sad reality here is that Halsey portrays love as little more than an always fading feeling. I can't help but wonder if the singer really knows that much about love at all. So I'm giving Bad at Love a one and a half out of five for family friendliness. For the full review of the song, be sure to visit us at PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olaszewski for Focus on the Family's Plugged In. 
Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Larry, did you know that your baby boy one day walk on Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know? All righty, welcome back to the Bible Live Quiz Show. I am not Soapy Dollar, as I said earlier. I am John Harrison, sitting in Soapy's seat, not taking his place, because that would be nearly impossible. But we do have Jacob over here with, the, with a lot to tell. Temporary permanent host. Yes, yes, yes. I would say he's a he's a permanent host. Well, anyway, let me tell you. We're, we're doing the Book of Matthew tonight, right? We are. So yes, yes, we are. The Book of Matthew. So let's kind of get back. So. There's a, obviously, there's a meaning, especially in the Christian world. Tonight's Christmas Eve, and I'm sure we have uh, very few listeners tonight because most people are with their families. For those people that have nobody to be with or just, just lonely or nobody to join, they're welcome to call because here I am in the same circ- circumstances. So let's we can talk, and we have another full hour to talk if you'd like to. But let's kind of talk about the book of Matthew. In the... Uh, in the book of Matthew, of course, it talks and teaches about his birth and his conception, and it primarily talks about how he came to be born. Now, and that's important, and this is Christmas Eve, but I was telling a story, because I did call and I talked uh, I talked on a show called The Narrow Path. It was in, out of California twice this last week, and I, uh, I was sharing with the guy a couple things, and I said to him, because he had a couple callers, and they said, well, uh, uh, the people thought of different days when, his, uh, when Jesus might have been born. And he made the comment. He said, well, it really doesn't matter what's, in summary, what's important is that he was born. So when I was speaking to him on the air, I said, yes, I agree with you, it's that the fact happened that's what matters and he made the comment well it matters if it matters that he was born and i started thinking about that after i stopped talking to him for the last couple of days and i realized it does matter even if you're not a christian and i was telling the story about these this these family that i saw their vehicle towed away two men two women and four or five little kids so they were they were put right out on the street for whatever reason i do not know but so the next day I go by, and they're still there in the bushes. On the third morning I go by, and they're still there in the bushes. But I did notice that two of the people were gone. I assumed they were out seeking some help or doing something. And I saw this little four-year-old girl, and she opened up her little suitcase. And she was taking out a little dress, I assumed, to change into her little dress. And they were back in the bushes. There was a stoplight right there, and they were in these bushes. 
Well, what I did is I didn't stop and offer him no money, anything like that. But I drove down the street, and there was a big church. I went to that church, and I went in, and I found one of the associate pastors, and the church was fairly well vacant. They had just had a live nativity scene, and it was over. And I went, and I caught them, went into him, and uh, and I sat down with him. His name was Doug. And I explained the situation about the people I saw, the car getting towed away, and here it is the third morning, and they're still there in the bushes, you might say. And uh, and the little girl I saw trying to get out a dress out of her little tiny suitcase. And I said, can't we do something? And I said, if I was back in Texas, perhaps I'd know somebody to call. And I'm not saying this to say what a great guy I am. I'm not saying that at all, but I want to make a point about the book of Matthew. How did I know in today's modern world the place to go to get help for those people was a church, a Christian church? So my point is this, because uh, I was thinking about what the gentleman said whose show I spoke on, on out of California. We said it matters if it matters. And afterwards I thought, I said, and I thought, I realized, Christian or not, it does matter. We live in a Christian world, and the doctrine of Christianity from way back in the book of Matthew, teaching to love your neighbor, to be friends, to help, especially anybody that needs help. I knew what I expected to find when I went to get those people help. I stopped in there. I was actually on my way to a store, and I thought my time would be better spent visiting with that church. I went in there, I talked to them, and I explained the whole situation. But the important thing is, from the book of Matthew, actually, I knew where to go ask for help. That story that began with the book of Matthew in the New Testament, way back then, a couple thousand years ago, was so impactive and mattered so much, even to a person that may not be a Christian, even if they're a good Samaritan. The, uh, they went, I went to that church, and I asked him for help. The guy made some phone calls. Now, I do not know if his efforts got them help or not. I do know th- this. That afternoon and the next day, they were all gone. Their family, all the people had gone, the suitcases, and all the little kids were gone. But I know that I knew where to go. Now, the question is, why would I know where to go? Because that, whether you're a Christian or not, That is what Christianity has taught. That's the importance of Christmas Eve. And I say that from basically an outsider's point of view. And so I'm hoping that the guy, he said he could make some phone calls, and I hope he did, and I hope that's what happened. But one way or the other, those folks got taken care of. But the interesting thing that occurred to me when I was speaking to the guy on his show in California, and he says, well, it matters if it matters. And I think he was driving at the fact that if you believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And then I started thinking afterwards, no, I don't think so. I think that we live in a Christian world and those understandings and those doctrines are available to anybody that recognizes the importance of people needing help and where to go to get the help. And it came from the Gospels. And there's no doubt about that. I knew where to ask for help for those folks, and I believe they got it. Anyway. That's my point. That's why it's relevant in today's world. And so if there was anybody that really needed help, even in today's world, where do you call? You call your pastor, your priest, you call, in the Christian world. And they call and they ask to talk to people, ask for help. Perhaps 
a death in the family or or even hospitalization they the churches have learned this from Jesus and that's the importance that begins with the book of Matthew and so I definitely would like to encourage that that's the lesson that was began I'd like to go one step further and suggest that that yeah just uh, go ahead John what um, anyway so but that's what we get now let's take a look at the book of Matthew there are some fascinating things now freely and honestly I read Matthew probably a little different than uh, um, than maybe the standard Christian understanding that doesn't mean I'm wrong it doesn't mean that the Christians are wrong it just means that I'm reading it from what I might call a distinctive point of view for example in the book of Matthew, right in the beginning, it talks about the genealogy of Jesus. And it says something very interesting. In ver- chapter 1, verse 17, listen to this verse. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, Jesus who they're referring to, of course, are 14. 14, 14, and 14 is what, John? Were you going to say 42? Yes, you were. <laughs> and uh, and 42 would be correct. I was told there would be no math. Uh, and for you, there wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but let now, if we go back and we count the names, this is the interesting thing. In the first, there are 14. In the next, there are 14. But in the last... There's not. Now, somebody, the author of Matthew, will call him Matthew. He was so important that he locked this in. He wanted us to understand 14, 14, and 14, which comes out to 42. But when you count the names, it doesn't seem to come out that way. But why the number 42, may I suggest? And I'm approaching this from what you might call a historical, biblical point of view. And I'd say more from a Jewish point of view. At the, I believe it's the book of Numbers, it's, I believe it's chapter 33. You'll, if you count the stops that the Jews made, that's the summary of the stops from Egypt to Israel. Want to guess the number of how many there were, John? Well, let me see, 42? Oh, see, and you said you were no good at math. Uh, there's 42. Now, isn't that a coincidence? There's 42 physical stops from the being captured in the Hebrew and Hebrew. Egypt is Mitzrayim, which is boundaries, limitations, limitations of what? Sin, false gods, that kind of thing. But there are 42 physical stops listed there, if you count them. And they go from Egypt to Israel. 42. Well, I'm going to make a suggestion that the story in the book of Matthew wants us to understand 42 for exactly the same reason. I think it's because it's trying to say to us there were 42 physical stops from Israel, the bondage of, I'm sorry, from Egypt, the bondage and limitations of sin and false gods. From Egypt to Israel, 42 physical stops. And I think what they're trying to say is there were also 42, let's call them, personal, spiritual steps to 
what Matthew is proclaiming Jesus to be the Messiah. So you've got that matching of the actual from the bondage of sin, Egypt, to Israel. And here you've got 42 to the Messiah. In fact, it actually says, it says, uh, and there are 14 generations from the deportation of Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. Now, isn't that fascinating, John? Yes, it really is. And But when you go back, there's something even more fascinating in these boring, mm. and I'm going to say even uh, so boring, even tedious people want to avoid these lists of uh, generations and names. But did you know the necessity for a virgin birth is actually in the genealogy in chapter 1 of Matthew? Hmm. Yes. I sat down, and I worked with somebody, and I took butcher block paper, and we've mapped all these out. And I looked up every one of them and checked every one out. It took, a long, it took several months. And here's what I found. That in there, listen, and I want you to listen to verse, chapter 1, verse 1. You're, you're going to read the... Uh the names i am not <laughs> and you need not worry you will not have to count them after i'm done i think we would lose our listener <laughs> our listener that's funny okay <laughs> one one matthew this is a record i'm reading from the nasb this is uh, the record of the genealogy of jesus the messiah now listen to the next part son of david son of abraham now physically speaking Jesus, the Messiah, in one one, is not the physical son of David. Nor is David the physical son of Abraham. Now, listen carefully. Let me go over it again. I'm going to share something about Jewish literature. And we're all going to move from the idea of being a, a reader to a knowledgeable scholar about Jewish literature. Are we ready, John? Ready and willing. Oh, willing. Okay. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, comma, son of David, comma, son of Abraham. Now, to a person familiar with Jewish literature, that means something different than somebody just reading it. What is wrong from a Jewish perspective as Jewish literature goes with that first verse? It's, and I'm going to tell you. It's not wrong. It only occurs one other time in the entire Torah. Okay. And here's what it is. Now listen, I said, first I listed Jesus, then David, then Abraham. We all know each one of them is not, is not the physical father of the next one. So, Jesus is not the physical son of David. There's a different things going on. So what we, is we, get to, we get to Joseph eventually, don't we? And that's that's like the question that I've heard asked before, you know, how is, you know, Jesus through the line of David, if it's through Joseph, which. Well, let's let's wait till we do get there. OK, OK. But don't forget that, because that's a good, important question. So what we got is it says son of David. Well, David, what does David bring to the story? He brings kingship. OK. Royalty. Well, if you like, kingship, though, you know, that's why Jesus, a Messiah, gets to be a king, because he's a son of a king. Then it says, son of Abraham. What does Abraham bring to the story? Abraham brings to the story that he's the father of many nations. So put this together. You have the father of many nations. is going to be a king. But there's something even more important in the first verse. 
Listen to how it goes. It goes, Jesus, David, uh, Abraham. Starting with the youngest, working to the oldest, correct? Correct. That is 100% antithetical to Jewish literature. It only occurs one other time in the Torah where it says, it lists it backwards, and it goes with the youngest, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. Only one other time, but it has a meaning. Are you ready for this meaning that the Christians ought to really love? Lay it on me. Okay. It means this. It means that the youngest guy you named was worthy to the blessings of David and Abraham, even if they didn't exist. Now, that that structure, that form of that literature is what that means. It means the same thing back in uh, the Torah where it's listed Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, and backwards listing. Why is it important? Because... In Judaism, in Jewish thought, you never, ever, ever list the youngest first, except in that isolated instance. What happens is you always list the eldest because Judaism, Jewish thought, does not pass down sin. It passes down merit. So that's why God says, you're uh, made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The merit is passed on, not because of the conduct of the Jews. We all know some things didn't go so well sometimes. But it's because the promise to the elders and the merit is passed down. So you have to have the elder listed first, unless you do it in this one isolated incidence. And this is how we know what it means. If in the next verse it goes back to the elder, which it does, listen to chapter 1, verse 2. So in verse 1 is Jesus, David, Abraham. Verse 2, it begins with, Abraham was the father of Isaac. So it switches back to the elder. When that occurs, that's an actual structure. In English, we have commas, explanation points, periods. We have sentence structure, and we have meanings. We use punctuation in Hebrew. They use the sentence structure itself to convey meanings. So we've got the youngest listed first, which is technically incorrect, unless in the second verse you begin with the elder first, which they do. That's telling us, just like the time back in the Torah, the only time, that it means that the youngest guy, Jacob, would have been worthy of the blessings of Isaac and Abraham, even if they had not existed. And that's what this meaning is supposed to be conveying. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, now, see, that's a Jewish take. Sure. Now, that's from Jewish literature. That's how it works. Now, you want to talk a little bit about uh, Joseph, the ostensible father of Jesus, husband of Mary, right? Right, and and, and the question I've heard asked, and, and I think it's a reasonable one for people who don't know and are wondering, wondering you know, we talk about the Messiah being through the line of David. And then we get to Joseph, and then we talk about the Immaculate Conception, which, you know, we think of, you know, as physical, by, by blood being, you know, related and going the generations back, like you do genealogy and stuff. Do you know what Immaculate Conception refers to? It doesn't mean that they're tidy. No, 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 but I mean... That's a joke. I'm trying to think of how to word this nicely. Uh, well, let me clear it up for you. Immaculate Conception comes from... Primarily the Catholic Church. Okay. Immaculate Conception is referring to Mary, not Jesus. Right, right. Because they were taking the position that in order for Jesus, Son of God, 
to be born to a woman, she, the vessel, Mary, had to also be pure. So she had to be miraculously, immaculately conceived. Okay, so that means that then Jesus didn't come from Joseph? or No, no, I'm not talking about Joseph, I'm talking about Mary. No, but no, you I used know, the word but, immaculate but conception. I, I understand that. That means, though, that if I understand what you're saying, if it was a uh, immaculate conception, mm-hmm. then... The two of them did not. No, no, no. no. We're, we're talking about Mary, not Jesus. No, no. I'm talking about. I'm talking okay, about Mary and Joseph. Okay, but just so we understand where that term comes from, that's right. a, basically from a, the Catholic world. That term. Uh, I'm sure that some scholar in Catholicism could expand on that much more than I. But I'm familiar with that much. So if we go back and let's just take a look at. If that, you're a scholar it? listening, please call in. Uh, and the number is, if I can remember it, no, the number is two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. All the scholars but, listening but tonight. <laughs> Christmas Eve, we may not get them. Anyway, well, let's take a look at that verse. Uh, it's verse chapter 1, verse 16. It says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who was called the Messiah. Now, notice it doesn't say that Joseph is the father. Right, it's, right. It just tells jo- Joseph was the husband of Mary. Correct? Correct, yes. I, I, that I that I get. Okay. Now let's stop for a moment and think. We've been listing the genealogy from David and Abraham, correct? Yes. Up yes. till this point. Now we got on to Joseph. Right. Right. Now God, the, hold on, hold on, put your seatbelt on tight. God is not from the tribe of Judah. God is not from the tribe of Judah. Okay. okay. So how it, in in Judaism? You get your, you become a Jew from your mother, but you get your tribe from your father. Okay, that's how it works. You're a Jew by birth of the mother, but you get your tribe from your father. Okay. So okay. now going back, we're looking at David and Abraham. Right. Okay. So Joseph, technically, was also in the line of David and Abraham, meaning he too could have been a king of Israel. Okay, but okay, I think what my question was was uh, about Jesus. When people uh, say he's from the line of David, yes, and I'm going to it, get to that. Okay, okay. But I thought it was primarily important to understand the rules first. Sure, sure. I get you. I get so you. okay. So here's the idea. So now Joseph is the husband of Mary, but he's not. As the story wants us to understand, he's not the physical father of Jesus. Correct. Okay, so he's not the physical, but he is. Well, wait, I just need a yes at that point. Yes, yes. Okay. See, how, see how easy that was? Okay, now, the point is, if I adopt a son, and you've heard of the term perhaps used in the Old Testament, the Tanakh, about the Leverite marriage. I've heard, I've heard of it, Okay, yes. so let's say that uh, two brothers were living together, one died, and the widow became, let's call it, quote-unquote, the wife of the surviving brother. The first child born of that union would be technically considered, since it's the brother of the deceased husband, technically the child of the deceased husband. Now, so when Joseph, he gets his title... He's, he's a king. He's yes. from David and Abraham. So he becomes the, listen, I'm going to use the English term, the adoptive father of Jesus. So being the adoptive father, okay. he gets, Jesus inherits 
what Joseph had, which is the line of David, line of Abraham. So therefore, he ends up being, he inherits the tribe of Judah that Joseph came from. He still has born from his mother, which was Jewish, Mary. You with me? I, I am with you. Yeah, I see where you're going with this. Okay, so that's the story. That's what it's trying to tell us. Okay, we're not talking by physical blood that he's related to through the line of David. No. It's the adopt. Okay. And uh, even under American law, English law, if I adapt a child, they're normally they in, uh, a fully adopted child. They inherit equally with any other my other children. However, sure. I can exclude anybody I want, including an adopted child or a natural-born child. If I want to exclude them, I can. But that's an English law, American law. But here, he's adopted by being the husband. He's uh, ostensibly the physical adoptive father of Jesus. And he passes on whatever he owned. And what he owned was his heritage from Abraham and his kingship from David. Ah, okay. Okay, that, that's clearing a lot of things up for me. Uh, isn't uh, See how well this story was put together? Mm -hmm. I've often said, whoever wrote these put these down and let's say one they're divinely inspired if they're divinely inspired of course they're going to be correct right Cor but if they weren't divinely inspired and somebody was just doing a great job he was truly a scholar he knew what he was writing maybe he can call in no <laughs> if he calls in i think we're all in trouble <laughs> now i want you to catch this listen to this chapter one verse 20 listen to this uh, but when he had considered this, we're talking about Joseph. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. See? Yes. Joseph is son of David. Do not be afraid and take Mary as your wife, for the child has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, this is very interesting. The word for breath in Hebrew, is, don't worry about it, I'm just going to say it, neshima. Spirit, spirit is neshama. Without the vowels, it's exactly the same word. So, this is the breath of God. So, in a sense, this explains, if I may be so liberal, as to explain the process, the breath of God. Are we uh, breaking for a break? Yes, we are. We are breaking for a break. Okay. Well, then, how about if I just hold that thought till we come back? And I'll show you where it occurs originally in Genesis, exactly what I'm saying. All right. And Sophie, uh, excuse me, Jacob has been bringing joy to the listeners tonight. And if you want to be part of tonight's proceeding, do you have a question, a comment? You can call us at, give us that number again. 210-340-9585. That's right. We hope you're having a wonderful Christmas Eve, and we appreciate you spending a, a little bit of it with us this evening. And we'll be right back on the Bible Life Quiz Show on KSLR.
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. John Harrison here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. You're listening to our Christmas Eve edition. Sophie's away was, from the studio. That was Barbara Streisand. That was. Now, it's always been ironic to me. I have a, I have a friend who's looking... Are you going to be ironic who, with us tonight? Well, yeah. Uh, well, I have a friend who converted to Judaism and uh, back in the 90s. And he's always... He, he loves pointing out that, well, Neil Diamond has a Christmas album, Barbara Streisand. They're, they're Jewish. You don't have any you know thoughts the, on that? Do you know what the largest selling Christmas record in history is? Well, that's what I point out to him. White Christmas. White Christmas. Sung by? Well, Bing Crosby. About who wrote it? A Jewish man named Irving Berlin. There you go. So now, there you go. You, I didn't say this when Renee was calling, but let me tell you something. Uh, from the Jewish perspective, and I, I dealt, I, I've dealt with a rabbi who's a real scholar in this in Florida. He's actually... Talk to me. He's provided me his research notes. The quote unquote official position of Jews is that Christians are not heretics. They're certainly not pagans. Christians actually go to heaven and will, uh, and they actually do, are considered 100% by Jews to be a faithful believer in God because Jesus actually leads them. That way. Let's go ahead and take our next call. I know we got a couple of heads through Harold, and we'll do somebody else. Harold, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Harold. How are you guys doing tonight? Hi. Uh, we seem to be doing okay. We're doing all right. Thank you. All right. Yeah, John, um, um, I didn't know I was going to say this, but, you know, but the things you said about Neil Diamond and Streisand, you know, how they do Christian albums, um, and they're Jewish. Well, there was a prime example of just the opposite with uh, Jacob's story, uh, a Jewish man going to a church to Very get true. some help, you know, you know, for that. And, you know, and uh, that, 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 that was really, really a good story. And, you know, Jacob, how you said that um, you really didn't know the end of it. You didn't know how it ended or how, actually how it happened. Yes. But... But that's kind of the way it is, you know, when when we help people out, when we, uh, I, I guess we uh, probably pray to God, and, you know, we have to go by faith. I think we go by faith, and I think you have faith to know that probably those people were treated probably quite well, and that's that's the way prayer works, I guess. We don't really know our answer now, and we, we may never know the answer, but anyway, I didn't want to preach say anything about that, but I just thought that Streisand thing was pretty good. And, you know, you have to believe me, Jacob, I hope. Um, I've been thinking about uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and you had just said you were going to go back to something in Genesis related to Matthew. Harold, you have no idea. This is good. this is a moment. This is, I don't think this is a coincidence. I told John well, before the break I was going to go back and show where it occurs, and it's Genesis two seven. Holy well, man. you know, well, you know, that was uh, our our uh, Bible study Saturday, and I've been dealing with this verse, and I went to Barnes and Nobles um, this afternoon, and I left another Barnes and Nobles. I went to the one on sixteen oh four. 
And I, I just couldn't get past this verse, and so we finally just came home. And um, the the thing about this verse, and I got the man's uh, permission, uh, it says, uh, Genesis 2-7, it says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Yeah. And Jerome, sitting next to me, he said I could say his name because I said, I'm going to have to ask this question. And I didn't know if it would come up and not be awkward. But he said, how do you explain the belly button? <laughs> and that's what he said. And other people didn't hear him. And I asked Jerome, have you ever heard of that before? He goes, no, it just came to me. And uh, so Adam, in the the story is Adam and Eve did not have a belly button. So I kind of thought you might know about that. Well, I've heard that. <laughs> but you heard. What is, the verse, what a serendipity moment, Harold. Because I thought yeah. where the break is going to go back to something in Genesis. is 2-7. You talked about 2-7. In the verse you just read, when it yeah. says the word breath, would you mind reading that once more? You must have it handy. Yes, I do. Uh, it says, uh, Genesis 2-7, uh-huh. And the Lord God formed man of the dust, uh-huh. of the ground, right. and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Okay. The and the word, man became a living soul. That's the, the King James Version. Okay, that's all right. The word breath, yeah, no. the word breath mm-hmm. there is the word neshama in Hebrew. But neshama is, I'm sorry, neshama, let me correct. It's the word neshama. In Hebrew. Now, what does that mean in English? Wait, wait, hold on. I'm in the middle of a great point. Praise Uh, the Lord. Nashima nashima is breath. The spirit that God gives a person that you're reading about in Genesis is called neshama. But in Hebrew, as we all know, it doesn't have vowels. So if I were to write the word down, the consonants, without the vowels, and it was just sitting on a piece of paper on a table, you wouldn't know if I'm talking about breath or spirit. But the point is, so when you look at that, and it's actually saying, an interesting side note, Harold, in that, mm-hmm. in that verse, in the Hebrew, there's a, there's a duplication of one letter. It's the letter Yud, the little tiny thing that looks like an apostrophe. But it's, it's got two letters in there. And what that means is there were two formings going on. One, the physical, the physical body of Abraham, and then the spiritual the, 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 going, the breath, the spirit going into Abraham. So there was two formings going on. You can't say it in English unless you say forming dash forming. But in Hebrew, it would be like this. It would be F-F-O-O-R-R-M-M-I-I-N-N-G-G, the word inside of the word. So it's actually saying there were two formings going on. So when we take that, the word spirit or the word breath, it's the same word mm-hmm. about vowels. Now, you look over here in the, the New Testament, Matthew, and it says that uh, he was conceived of her by the Holy Spirit. That word could be spirit, neshama, or it could be neshima, but it's the same word. That gives us a little clue as to what was going on, that Jesus himself was implanted in Mary by, you might say, the Holy Spirit or as it says in Genesis, God's breath. The breath of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I called in after the break, uh, right right before the break started, because when you had said Genesis, 
And I just thought, I just kind of got overwhelmed a little bit. And I said, oh, my goodness, she's probably going to talk about that thing because I've been reading that all day. I can't believe I read one one verse all day. I'm not all day, but when I went to read it, that was the verse I read. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, oh, man, this has been exciting tonight. Well, that's all I got. I mean, um, and your show last week was just amazing. I listened to the iPod pod, podcast. I, I, oh, you did? I, I called in. Yeah, I called in to that show, yeah. Oh, yes, I know. Yes, I know. I know. I heard it. Yeah. Fantastic. About, uh, and, of course, yeah, we talked about, uh, since we're going to do Matthew this time, and Jesus, as the Christians proclaim, died mm-hmm. for sins. So I thought last week was a perfect time to talk about in Leviticus, which we did. What is sin? I, thought I remember was, you saying that. And it is fascinating, because almost nobody realizes in Leviticus, what is sin? Yeah. And something about uh, God is after, or David is like after God's own heart. You had mentioned that, and you said something about First Kings. Yeah, it's because he people tend to pick one Jewish law, or they're not Jewish laws, or God's laws, but they pick right. one and ignore the others. You can't, you got to have them all. They all have equal value. One of the laws of is that David did what was required. Um, Yom Kippur. You can do it any time, but if you haven't, Yom Kippur is your deadline, you might say. That's, uh, you repent. And David certainly was making recompense. And Solomon was born, obviously, to that. And he tells him the most interesting verse, which I was actually going to get to in chapter 1 here, and in chapter 2, but chapter 1 primarily of Matthew. There is a difference between being a king and being a son of God. And you'll find it actually in First Samuel, you'll also find it listed in Chronicles. For example, you may there were several people that were quote unquote kings in Israel, but they were not sons of God. Because what David says to Solomon, he says, If you follow the laws which Moses wrote, then you will be a king a son of God. Now, there were several kings that did not follow God's laws. They were kings by the royal by royalty standards, but they were not the did not meet the requirement that David said to Solomon, or that Solomon actually repeated. They had to follow the laws of God. So, as I understand it from reading in the Book of Matthew, Jesus is a king and a son of God, not just because of the birth through Mary, but because he also obeyed all God's laws, and therefore, as Christians always uh, proclaim, he did not sin. Right. So that's how I read it. That's, I know, I know that's that what I understand. When Jesus was on the cross. He did. He said, forgive them, they know not what they're doing, which means, and sin is not knowing. He does not say, forgive them, they know exactly what they're doing, because that would be... Yes, I read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, there would be an iniquity. That's intentional, but not. I read no. that last week also. And so, to me, it, to me, it just fits like a, a kick glove, and I'm just, I'm just so impressed. I mean, because there's no doubt about it in the story. Jesus gets it 100 percent correct. It's pretty amazing. It really is. It really is amazing. Um, I don't get tired of it. Uh, 
I read it all the time, and like I said before, I probably told some people before, I really don't understand exactly the way it's supposed to be met. But sometimes, you know, I really, even though I don't quite understand maybe the way it's supposed to be met, and I don't mean in Hebrew or, or English or Christian or Jewish, I just mean sometimes I just read the Bible because I want to see what the words say, and I, I uh, apply it to myself maybe at the time. Or if I'm having a, I have people have a lot of bad days, you know, and then I find out how Jesus says you're supposed to be good to your enemies, and I'm like, oh, quit saying that, you know. Well, I want to and, point out what I always hasten to point out is, <clears throat> yes, Jesus said love your enemies. He did, but right. he did, he said love them, but he also made it clear they are your enemies. <laughs> I need to look I'm not that saying one that they uh, that just believe everything they say. In fact, right. I noticed I saw that movie uh, Darkest Hour about Winston Churchill, and I left the movie thinking, you know, recently there's been a whole bunch of British movies with his British heroes, you know, like uh, The Man Who Saved Christmas, uh, Dunkirk, uh, The King's Speech, and then this Winston oh, yeah. Churchill movie. And I thought, and there's been a couple others, and I thought, why all the concentration recently on these British heroes? And it occurred to me. After I saw it today, because Winston Churchill was saying to the Parliament, and the guy did a great job, he uh, he's saying, we shall never surrender. And, and I realized, maybe they're doing this because they're trying to save England now from, quite frankly, the Muslim influence, the large masses of people coming there, because we've all heard the story that really European uh, England and Germany may be gone. Uh, because the Christians are not reproducing. So, so I started wondering, is that the purpose of all these movies? Is that they're saying, we will always exist, we will not be defeated? I started wondering. I don't know, have an answer. It just started occurring to me, because I noticed in the last two or three years there's been several of those kind of movies about heroes in Great Britain defending Great Britain. Well, it sounds possible. It's possible. I got two all questions right. for you real quick, Harold. All right. One. These magi, as we call them, they came in the story of Jesus in the beginning of Matthew, because I'm concentrating not on the whole book of Matthew tonight, but primarily since it's Christmas Eve. And I know we probably have, like I say, what, 10 listeners, because the only people that are probably listening are people that don't have families or lonely or people you know, by themselves, like uh, me or even John tonight. I don't know about John. I was sitting by myself, actually. Dan is in the bedroom. How mm-hmm. is that with his girlfriend? And yeah. well, then, well, anyway, go see, ahead. So uh, most people are going to be with their families, and if they're not, they're certainly welcome to share with Christmas us. Eve services. Well, maybe not. There this you week. go. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. This late. Okay. Well, I did know about a kid that was down in the basement of a church, looking uh, at. It says uh, there's a big roll on the wall, and it said "died in service," and the preacher came by, saw this little ten-year-old boy, and said. Uh, what are you looking at? He says, I'm looking at all these people that died in service. And the preacher said, yes, they all died in service. And the little boy said, the 9 o'clock or the 11 o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, um, so, but, okay. so these magi, they follow a star. Where in the story does it tell them what a star is? Why they should follow? If a star appeared out the window right now, you and I wouldn't jump on the donkey and head to it. <laughs> That's I mean, the talking get my donkey. car and head to it. But the yeah, point is, they, yeah. there's also another fascinating thing in chapter three. Now, this is a little bit beyond, but this is 
part of uh, the story at the beginning. I won't go beyond this, but in Matthew, uh, Jesus comes to get baptized. And John says, well, I think I should be baptized by you. But Jesus says, no, 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 we're going to do all righteousness. Do you know what all righteousness is that he's referring to? And don't worry, if you don't know, we're not going to give you any math questions. Oh, um, I think, because I remember hearing probably you saying it before on the air, uh, on the the Sophie Dollar show, that uh, John the Baptist, you know, we call him, he was the one that was supposed to do the baptizing. That's correct, because to be righteous in Hebrew is to obey God's laws. Only the Levite priest, and we know John the Baptist from the book of Luke, is Levite 100% on both sides, mommy and daddy. He's 100% Levite. Mm -hmm. He does the baptizing. And if Jesus had capitulated and done the baptizing, Jesus would have violated God's law because he's from the tribe of Judah, you see. So Jesus Mm -hmm. says, no, John, we're going to keep all righteousness. You baptize us. And John did. And then the question comes up, why is John at the Jordan River? He's a Levite. How come he's not up in the temple? Because all the real priests have been chased out by Herod and the Romans. That, that, you know, that's what I wanted to ask you, because I get asked that a lot. And there's so many people, there's a lot of people, myself included used to be, that they think John the Baptist grew up in the woods and just ate bugs and stuff. And he was all this enlightened and he knew something from nothing. But actually, I believe I've heard it talked about on, on the Sylvie Dollars show that um, he was a priest in the temple, and he was either asked to leave or he had to leave or be killed. Now it, uh, They killed Herod and the Romans, uh, killed several of the actual Levitical priests from the tribe of Levites, and, though, and they did not kill some, so some could tell the story and frighten everybody, and they sent those away from the temple. They appointed their own people. Caiaphas is not from the tribe of Levi. And so, therefore, they appointed their own people there to run the temple and charged for praying and for religious services. It's the way they collected the taxes. Anyway, right. so, so John the So Baptist, John was in the temple. He was there. Well, he would have been a Levite, so he would have fulfilled his duty, sure. Except he's okay. out to the Jordan River. Yeah. So that's why he's out there, because he's been kicked out of the of the temple. Uh, okay, that's my point, yeah. So listen to this verse. In chapter 3, it says, Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was, as you said, locust and wild honey. Now why does the story want us to know this about John in the book of Matthew? What's important about that? His dietary proclivities? Well, I think the locust might have something to do with Egypt. You think? Or one of the plagues? No. I'm really stretching. <laughs> Let me just say this. There okay. are two items that are kosher under God's laws. Kosher, you know, is a food acceptable. Mm-hmm. It actually just means the word fit, F-I-T. But there are two foods that are kosher that come from a non-kosher source. Okay? And that would be honey, right? Honey is one, because bees are not kosher, but they make kosher. Now, there is one locust that is kosher. There's like 50 different types of locusts, but only one is kosher. It's listed in Leviticus. Now, to be a knowledgeable priest, it's telling us how knowledgeable John the Baptist was, a real Levite. 
he knew which one of those type of the breeds of locusts was acceptable as kosher and which was not, and that honey was kosher, even though it came from a non-kosher source. The second item that comes from a non-kosher source is, do you know, Harold? Mm-hmm. Mother's the third milk. item. Mother's, mother's milk. Because you cannot eat a human being, but mother's milk is acceptable to feed, obviously, to a child. Yeah. Isn't So there's yeah. two things that are from non-kosher sources that are kosher, but this locust idea is because they want you to know there's only, of all these different species of locusts, this guy, John, was so knowledgeable that he knew which one was kosher and which was not. So that would be a sign or like a clue to the Jewish um, people back then that he was who he said he was. He was a priest. He he knew his stuff because of uh, the things he ate. Would that be logical? Is that well, what you're... Uh, yeah, I, I, I th- yeah, they're wanting us in the future, our, our late, late right. readers, I guess, to know it. And I'm sure they saw it and they would know it. And, uh, yeah. and he was at the Jordan River, and the reason he's at the Jordan River is because the Romans and Herod had killed all, uh, many of the real Levites and then appointed their own people to run. And what they would do is, the Romans actually at one point had a law that 14 Jews had to live on one acre. These were generally poor people. The only people that really made money under the Romans were apostate Jews that were cooperative or uh, uh, you know traitors to Israel and worked for Romans and, and Herod. Hmm. Let me ask you one more, just one more um, question. You just said fourteen acres. Or, I mean, fourteen, 14 Jews. Acre at one point, yes. You, right, fourteen. And earlier in Matthew one chapter seventeen, it uses the word fourteen three different times. Is there any correlation there, or is that just happens to be? Well, no, I think the 14 there, if you count the names in the first set of 14, there are 14. You count the second set, there are 14. You count the third, there's only 12. There's a reason for that. But uh, well, John has given me the signal that we're pretty much out of time. No, no. Okay, we got, okay. we got two minutes. Oh, we got two minutes. Oh, no. Uh, you know, I'm trying to say, I'll let you all guys go so you can finish up. Okay. Right, okay. Listen, thank you for calling, Harold. And we'll go ahead and finish. Alrighty. Thanks. And Merry Christmas to you. All right. Bye bye. Yeah, All right. Merry Christmas to y'all. Okay. Uh, John, I know we'll be signing yes. off in a minute, and you're giving me the signals as to when the time shows up. Um, but, <clears throat> but I want to tell you, there is no doubt that the, for religious, for spiritual purposes, the Jews always appreciate that officially that Christians are absolutely going to heaven. I mean, you know, real Christians. And they absolutely are not required to be Jewish. They're required to obey God. That's basically it. But they don't, they're, they're never considered as excluded from Jews. Now, Jews are required to follow the 613 commandments. Six plus one is seven, plus three is ten. The ten commandments are all embodied in that. Uh, and other people are welcome to. They're not required to. However, uh, it probably is a good idea. But in the birth of Jesus, you've got this story going on in Matthew. And I'm sticking to Matthew. There's something I'd like to tell you about Luke, but I don't have time. And uh, I should stick to Matthew because that's what Soapy scheduled. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so we've got this whole idea. Now, the question that comes up real quickly of the official date of Jesus' birthday. How much time we have left, John? 
Uh, you've got about 15 seconds. Okay. Well, in that case, let me just sum it up like this. I'd like to say that the Judeo-Christian ethics of how to treat and care for other people, we all learn. And where we learned it in our society is we see from Christians. And remember, in that vein, always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. And a Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Soapy will be back here next week on New Year's Eve to usher in another year of Bible understanding and discussion on the Bible Live Quiz Show. Hey, y'all have a wonderful holiday and a great Christmas. We love you. Thank you for listening. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.